0: Just the very beginnings of the retreat, <clears throat> just being aware of the. You know, it can be a little jangly in the beginning, and that's okay. Things change. And as I was sitting here and reflecting on the theme of the five Indriya that we're going to be exploring and developing during these days, uh, it just comes to mind, you know, that we live like on the world stage right now, you know, the profane. Is large and glorious, and uh, takes all the the limelight, and the sacred kind of gets pushed off to the corners, to the edges, which perhaps it always has. And uh, and what we're doing here is, in a way, kind of sorting out what's uh, what this mind and heart is filled with. It's a chance to to see, you know, what, what. where has this heart and mind got cluttered up with, uh, with useless stuff that is uh, taking up space and taking our attention and uh, can be discarded? Sometimes, with a little, you know, sometimes it takes a while. But uh, if we have that intention and that clarity, then we can start to sort out, just as if we were clearing out our room or our house, we start to sort out the the debris the um, the the nonsense the the extra stuff and then that leaves room for the sacred the the, the beautiful the potential that is always here in us so these these five indriya indriya as I was saying last night indriya faculties is the english translation and faculties is something that is that is here, it's, it's, it's something that, that is kind of inherent that needs to be developed or that can be developed. So uh, we have this opportunity to, to do that sorting process. And so don't be too dismayed you know, and too upset if, if you sit and you find, oh my goodness, what a mess. You know, This mind is just a mess and I'm all over the place and what have I been doing all year? And if you find that, then good. Are you having trouble hearing me? Can you can you be a little bit louder, Thanks. So, if is that better? Thank you. So, is that uh, if uh, you find if you you know in these first days as you stop and you know going from whatever pace you were living to zero on the retreat, you know, you're basically stopping pretty much. If you find that what, what you find when you stop and look inside is, is a bit of a bit of a mess and a bit cluttered and a bit disappointing and and you wish it was other than this, it's all fine except for the wishing it was other than this. Just let that bit go and start clearing it out. Just start clearing it out. Little by little, moment by moment, breath by breath, day by day. And uh, you know, as we do this, we, we all you know, we all have the same tendencies in some ways. You know, I mean, some lean more towards greed, some more towards aversion, some more to like like to mix it up nice and have a really strong delusion. You know, we all have our slight different leanings, but basically, we we have the propensity to uh, get confused and and, and um, blinded by the world, and we also have the poss- the the potential always present to develop the wise and the heartful. So this is our work. And the unfortunate thing is that it's easier to slide into the profane than it is to cultivate the sacred in a way. So we have really good conditions here for our cultivation. and. Uh, And who knows what we're going to meet as we, you know, enter into these... Each meditation... A friend of mine some years ago said each meditation is an act of faith because you never really know what you're going to find. You never know what you're going to experience, what you're going to meet. It can be very peaceful. It can be incredibly profound. It can be just very, very difficult, excruciatingly painful, boring. You know, it can be any of those things. So in a way, like each... Meditation is an act of faith. It doesn't mean that we're not applying our mind. You know, it's not just you just sit back and let it all happen. But uh, we set up the conditions and we um, collect the mind, focus the mind, and then we see what happens. It can be all kinds of things. And then we just keep the awareness present with whatever arises. So awareness is our... Um, is our refuge in a way. So Sarana Loka, Sarana Loka Foundation put this retreat on every year thanks to uh, you know, their generosity actually and we love to come and, and teach this retreat that as, as Sarana Loka puts on. And that word Sarana Loka, Sarana is refuge and Aloka is light. So it's pointed to a refuge in the light of awareness. So this is what we can do, so no matter what's going on, so we're not getting so... It's not such a problem whether what we meet is pleasant or unpleasant. It, what's, what's important is that we're meeting it, that we're present with it, that we're knowing what's going on, and that we know it when it arises. We see it, we feel it, we're thrown around by it, or, or dulled by it, or whatever it might be, and we stay present, and we stay present, and we stay present. And then at some point it changes and we stay present and we notice that it changes. And we notice that if it, if it was a nice thing, that there's maybe a little bit of attachment there, or a lot. And if it was an unpleasant thing, like, thank goodness, that's over. And we just notice that, uh, that you know, and in a way, those feelings of like glad to get rid of something and wanting, to, wanting something to last longer, that's part of what keeps us caught. So we're, but so we're getting to know those tendencies, not judging them, but having discernment around them. And uh, and the discernment knows, oh yeah, there's a there's a pulling, there's a wanting, or there's a not wanting, or there's a disinterest. So the discernment gets to know the, those movements of the mind, and uh, and wisdom, lets go. Wisdom sees the constant arising and passing away of things, and lets go. Let's go. Let's go. <coughs> so this is a training, you know. The Buddha's path is a training, a whole life training. And uh, we've, you know, we've taken the ethical precepts last night and renunciant also ethical and renunciant precepts. So that's how that's part of our training over these days to live within that is as skillfully as we can. So if it's easy, then. Uh, enjoy the joy of that, and if it's difficult, appreciate that you're you're developing something really precious by going against old habits. Uh, and then we have the level silence as a, a real wonderful container for the retreat, and Sangha, sitting together is very precious. They, you know, I know, I know quite a few people who live. In the, you know, here and there in the outskirts, who, who may be the only person they know in their, in their town or county that can, that's interested in meditation, and they're just sort of on their own. And that's not an easy way, it's not impossible, and there are ways of getting in touch with each other online and so on, but it's not such an easy way of practicing. So we have this lovely opportunity to practice together and support each other. And it might be that the person, Sitting behind you or next to you is, is fidgety, or you know has a, an irritating rustly jacket or something. I don't hear any rustly jackets, which is nice. But you know, if if you find if you're starting to get really annoyed with the person close by, turn and look inside because the conditions are pretty sweet here. They're not that challenging. And then the mind looks for opportunities. The mind that's aversive will look for opportunities to get annoyed about something. And we'll always find something. In samsara, there will always be something to feel annoyed about or frustrated about or averse to. Because that's the way it's made. There's some good stuff and some not so good stuff. So so just if that arises, which it may, on the retreat, Question: you know, Don't don't take it for granted that it really is the fault of the person next to you. Look look deep in your own heart and mind, and and find the source of that <coughs> irritation. Wanting things to be other than how they are, wanting things to be perfect in, according to <coughs> me and my view, which might be very different to the person next to me and just recognizing how we do that and we create we this is how we create dukkha we create suffering unnecessarily in a very potentially very good situation so if we look for what's wrong we'll always find something wrong and if we look for what's good we'll always find something good and if we look for <coughs> the space Okay, I want to point also to the space, because there's the good and the bad, and there's the, the, the empty aspect, that which is neither, neither good nor bad, neither neither pleasant nor painful, which is a large amount of our experience actually, and that can be so easily ignored. So we tend to grasp onto the pleasant, push away the painful, and ignore the neutral, which is a lot of our experience. So to also bring attention to the, to the space, like literally the space in the room right now. And uh, the silence, even though maybe, yeah, there's the harm of the recording equipment and there'll be maybe a slight sound of, l- of the electricity of the lights or maybe other sounds from outside when I stop talking. And uh, those are you know, there are sounds, but kind of there's also the presence of silence. There's like behind the sounds. The sounds ar- arise out of silence and fall back into silence. So if that's resonant for you, you can work with that too. and if it isn't, you just let it go. We can always be aware of the space and uh, you know as we do some guided meditations and so on we'll be, we'll be doing some body sweeping amongst other practices. So also just to be aware of how much neutral experience there might be in the body and how we ignore that and we just go to the sensational, the painful, the pleasant. So learning to take in the whole of experience because this is what is going on. So we may as well take it all in. So um, we'll be handing out these, uh, the list of the five entry this evening, but I'll just uh, speak through them again just briefly now. The saddha, faith or confidence or conviction, so it takes a certain amount of saddha to come here on a monastic retreat or a renunciant retreat over New Year's, that takes some saddha. That you, there's some faith that, that there's going to be something valuable here that isn't necessarily obvious, and uh, really, uh, I like to use the word endeavor. That this we are we are part of a long-term endeavor, all of us, on our practice. So it's not about getting a quick hit or a peak experience. You know we get peak experiences, and we get trough experiences as well you know we get highs and we get lows, that's how it goes so we're not just looking for the peak experience but we're looking for a a cultivation a a transformation of heart that happens gradually over time with practice and every now and again we get a a big aha moment and that's wonderful that's really really encouraging and that supports our sadhana our, our confidence, but it, it's not that we're doing it to get those moments. Those moments—they're—they're they're big deals because we're suddenly seeing clearly something we couldn't see clearly before. And then once we can see it, then then it just becomes normal. And the, in a way, the the Buddha's path of awakening, although it sounds really, really glorious and wonderful to become fully enlightened, to be fully enlightened is is to be completely normal, completely at, at one with. Maybe "normal" isn't the right word, but to be completely natural, to be to be completely at one with things as they are. So uh, all of those, uh, so all the things we're struggling to give up, you know, we have to give up anyway, because we have to give everything up. That's the way. That's the nature of things. Everything's changing, and uh, the truth that we're so earnestly seeking is always here. It's just waiting for our hearts to be clear enough to see it, hearts and minds. And that's our work over this retreat to clear out the clutter and the confusion a little bit more and a little bit more until we can see more clearly. And sati is the third of those um, five indriyas, sati is... Clear, seeing clearly, awareness. And samadhi, stability or collectedness of mind, is, what can, is, is like a natural result of that settling and clearing out. So you know, if you've never had a taste of samadhi, and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying, just try a little less. Just lean back a little, soften a little. Sometimes we can, uh, coming back to Sada again, to the to faith. Sometimes when we don't really know about meditation and we're learning and we're just like really trying, we can drop into some quite beautiful states just without, sort of by accident. And then, what was that? You know, and then we spend, some people spend years trying to get that back. Uh, but really, you know, the, the the conditions that came together for them were that were were not trying to get something. They were they were faith. Like it was actually one of those factors that allowed the, that quality, that experience to arise. Because there was a sense of like, okay, this is I don't really know what this is. Let's let's step into it. Let's try it. And let's see. And then follow the instruction and not really know. And then there's a sort of purity of heart. There's an openness, and then allows the, the, uh, the deepening or the insight to happen and then we get greedy around it and try and get it back we start taking ownership of it and then we're completely going in the wrong direction and, uh, and then get frustrated and then oh this Buddhist thing doesn't work and you know we can do all of that so sadha is, a, is an important factor to keep coming back to and that can support the samadhi, and then uh, panya is the the clear seeing of the true nature of things. So, seeing the arising and passing away of things. And sometimes people hold this up very high that you know they imagine people imagine that it's only when you're in a very very deep state of concentration where you can see every little tiny movement that it counts. And it's like, well, that's great, it's beautiful when that happens if that happens. But we can also experience it in every moment, through any of our senses. There's constant change. Constant change. Constant arising and passing away. And you can notice it even in big things like coming into this room. You come in, there's a moment when you're not in here, and then you come in. You're born into the room. And then you you sit down, and and then we're here together, and things happen, we influence each other quietly and then at some point we get up and we leave and we die from being in this room for that, for that time. So you can think in that way, just, just, just notice how these things are going on all the time. And then every, you know, every morning we wake up and we don't know what's going to happen. Even we've got a schedule, we've got a plan and we don't actually know. And then we get to the end of the day and we go to bed and And we often, you know, it's easy just to go to bed thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow or can I really manage the whole retreat it's so long, whatever it is, you know, the mind's thinking ahead. Can we just completely let go? Let that be a cessation. Let that be at the end of the day. When your eyes close at the end of the day be be an ending. And and an openness to an unknown next. Who knows what happens next. So those are either days or coming into a room, or we could also experience it with a breath, the beginning of a breath, the middle, of the fullness, and then the letting go and the ending of a breath. So this, this process of arising and passing away is, is here all the time. And it just takes our attention to look in the right way to actually see it. So this, this profound teaching is always here, always here and uh, we're going to be you know slowing down and aligning our minds with this so that we can see it a little more clearly over these days and of course we have the ending of a year and the beginning of a new year during the retreat the ending of a decade and the beginning of a new decade so all of those things so let's sit and uh, Allow the mind to settle.